Welcome to the podcast of Central Church. This is our latest weekly message. We are moving along in our uh, series on the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, last week, we kind of just wrapped up what you could consider one little portion, I suppose, of the sermon where where Jesus has, and so have we, just spent um, quite a bit of time looking at the, you have heard it said, but I tell you, um, which is kind of like, um, sorry, I'm I'm distracted, I should pay attention to what I'm saying. Really, I guess where Jesus is taking, well, he takes six behaviours that are, in essence, I suppose, sinful, and he takes them to a deeper level and he's pushing us deeper into wholeness. So he talks about murder and adultery and divorce and uh, making silly promises and revenge and hating your enemies and he turns them around and he's taking us deeper into what it really means to be human and to live whole lives. And the climax of that passage and probably what you would call the high point of the whole sermon is the last verse in chapter 5 where it says be perfect therefore as your heavenly father is perfect and we kind of looked at that a little bit last week and then Jesus you know kind of moves on now into looking at things we should do but doing essentially the same thing as what he's done with the things we shouldn't do which is look at them a little bit below the surface. So over the next, actually it's not really the next three weeks because there's a lot of fun stuff happening in church over the next six weeks really. Um, But we will be dipping our way slowly through the three when yous. So we've just done the six, you have heard it said, but I tell yous. And now Jesus moves into the three when, when yous, when you do this. So essentially what I think he's doing is he's trying to help us pass our lives through the sieve of wholeness. Um, So I've got a picture up there of a great sieve. And in Matthew, in the first bit of Matthew, Matthew 5, Jesus is passing our brokenness through the sieve or our sinfulness through the sieve. And he's saying to us essentially, you think I'm just interested in the big stuff, but I'm actually interested in the whole thing. And so he's sieving through what we would consider the big things, murder, adultery, revenge. And he's sifting down into some of the smaller things that make up that anger, lust, hurt, pain, grief, all of those types of things. And essentially he's doing the same thing when he starts to talk about behaviours we should be doing. Essentially he's like, you know, you think it's good that you give or that you fast, or that you pray. But I'm not just interested in the big stuff. I'm actually interested in even passing your good behaviour through a sieve to find out what's really underneath all of it. And that is the thrust of these when you passages. When you give, when you pray, when you fast, Jesus is trying to pass our good behaviour through a sieve and help us maybe dig a little bit deeper into some of the motivations, some of the driving forces behind why 
we might give, pray, or fast in order to make us whole. This is the whole, the whole point is that he's trying to make us whole. He's trying to heal every part of us. He's trying to bring us together as fully human and bring healing, wholeness, and maturity to all parts of our, ourselves. And so that's what we're going to be essentially looking at in the um, next couple of weeks. And I was actually meant to be talking about when you give tonight, but... Um, I'm not really going to talk about that. I'm going to, we'll we'll probably come back to that. I just feel like as I started to sit with the passage and to, I probably ended up with about, well, probably three sermons about giving. And then I was like, "Uh, I'll just do do one. Because that's way better for everyone, right? Um, So really, the only thing I'm going to do tonight is look at Matthew chapter 6 and verse 1. Um, which if you don't have the, um, you know, lucky for us, the people who wrote and translated and put the Bible together put in headings and verses and chapters. Um, But when it was originally written, those weren't in there. Like Matthew didn't go through like writing numbers. Like he just wrote it. And someone helpfully at a later time added numbers. Sometimes those um, are helpful they break things into sections and you feel like you're not just reading one whole chunk scroll of like endless language and sometimes those you know barriers of headings and chapters and verses aren't that helpful because we segment things in our mind in a way that perhaps was it was never meant to really be and so we can kind of feel like oh great we've moved on from chapter five now and now we're into chapter six but really they're much more together than that and, um, and we need to remember that when we read it. One of the things I, I want to say um, tonight before we move on is that um, I f- both love the Bible and um, sometimes want to throw it against a wall. Um, I would probably say that uh, the Bible has been both a source of pain and a source of wholeness in my life Um, for lots of reasons. Once you've been around the Bible a few times, uh, you know how complex it can be um, and also how beautiful it can be. And so I suppose the truth is I have a complicated relationship with the Bible and I know that I just want to say that because many of us do too. Um, And I think it's important that you hear that from me because we have this paradigm or this method. I mean, look at you. You're all sitting there looking at me with the microphone like I know what I'm talking about. Um, And I suppose on one level, I've thought a lot about what I'm going to say tonight and you've thought nothing about what you're going to say tonight. So... You know, I've got a head start on the rest of you when we're looking at Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. But I think too often in church we've, uh, we've made the person with the microphone the font of all knowledge. And it's, uh, it's not true. And I, to be honest, have just as much a complicated relationship with Scripture as you do. There are bits that I love. There are bits I prefer not to read. There are bits I don't know what to do with. There are bits I wish weren't in there. Uh, There are bits that seem simple and I can take them at face value 
And then there are verses that I just think, flip, what does that mean? Okay? So you need to hear that because whenever anyone stands out the front and talks about the Bible, um, if they're saying that they know exactly what it means and they've got it down, well, you need to love them but be aware that they might not exactly have it all together. Okay? Um, And again, you've heard us say this before, that the ancient rabbis used to say, you know, the Torah has 70 faces. Turn it again and again and you'll see something new. And I think that's true also. Like you can hear someone with a microphone say, this is what this verse says. But then if I was, if you were to meet me again the next week, I could preach an entirely different sermon out of the same verse. There's just so many different ways. It doesn't mean that it's all ambiguous and we don't know what it means. That's not what I'm saying. It's like when... um, Someone far smarter than me says, you know, God is endless mystery. It's not that we can't understand him. It's that we endlessly understand him. And I would say the same about the Bible. The Bible is endless mystery. It's not that we can't understand it. It's just that we endlessly understand it. And it is like digging for treasure in a field. Like you dig and you dig and you find treasure. But if all you did was look at the surface of it, you might see something nice and a bit of sparkle sticking out, but you don't get the fullness of it. Um, That's the tension that we hold when we talk about the Bible. And I say that because last week we looked at that verse, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now that's one of those verses that can really wound people. Because the idea of perfection is ridiculous. And we can read those verses and think, oh, well, if that's what God expects of me, then I'm out because I can't be perfect. But like I explained last week, that's not actually the meaning of that word perfect. And so I would have an argument with the translator, whoever decided to translate that word perfect. Because elsewhere in scripture, that same word teleos, they don't translate it perfect. They translate it mature, complete and whole. So I would be taking to task the translator of the NIV in Matthew and say, why did you pick perfect? Just can you explain that to me? Why did you pick complete and mature in Ephesians? But when you put this verse together of all the options, you picked perfect because it's not helpful. (laughs) And then we're going to have an argument and love one another and, you know, the scripture still stands. Um, There's some of the tensions we face when we're reading scripture, okay, that there are endless things to understand there's the original language then there's the translation of that language then there's the cultural context and then there's English and it gets messed up sometimes and I just think we need to like be okay with that Um, and just know that anyway I'm saying all this there's a reason why I'm saying all this because um This is how the NIV, I'm putting these verses together. This is how the NIV translates both Matthew 5, 48 and and chapter 6, verse 1. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. But we all know that's a bit, well, it's not my choice of word. Let's just say it like that. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. If you do... You will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Here's another thing about reading the Bible. 
Sometimes uh, we read what we think is there, not actually the words on the page. So when I read that Matthew 6 verse 1, this is how I can, like I read the words, but this is what goes on in my head. Um, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others because if you do that, when you get to heaven, you won't get much of a reward from God. But that's not actually at all what the verse says. Um, And this is, you know, remember right at the beginning of the year when I'm talking about the Sermon on the Mount and I said to you, we are going to do our best to ground this on earth and not make this about life after life after death. Um, Often we read things and we automatically transfer the understanding of them to some kind of eternal context. But I don't think at all in Matthew on the Sermon on the Mount Jesus ever really has an eternal life context in mind. He's really talking about life here and now. That's what I, so do, do, you understand, do you know what I say when I say I don't always read the words on the page, I, read, I put things together in my head? Because there are other places in Scripture that talk about rewards and eternal life and heaven. And somehow when I read words, I can kind of like, instead of reading what's actually there, I kind of put them all together in some kind of blurred biblical mashup. Jesus isn't talking about be careful how you do your righteous deeds because you better be careful you may or may not get a reward when you get to heaven. He's actually talking about life here and now and it's not a reward in heaven. He's just saying that God is in heaven. The reward's not. The reward's here on earth. But God is in heaven. That's, how we, that's, what, that's what it's saying, okay? So again it says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Now I'm going to take another... um, Okay, let me say this. This is is the first verse of 21 verses that we're going to read and dissect in the coming weeks. In these next 21 verses, the word Father is mentioned 10 times. And the word reward is mentioned seven times. There are some thematic repetitive things that Jesus is doing. He's talking a lot about God the Father and he's talking a heck of a lot about reward. He's trying to tell us something. It's repetitive. These, these things are important. Can you put up the next slide? Again, I'm taking issue with the translator of uh, the NIV. Um, Different translators have translated certain words different ways and they make a heck of a lot of a difference in what Jesus may or may not actually be talking about. And again, different ones have done it different ways. Turn it and turn it again, see it a different way. So I'm not saying one's right and one's wrong, but I am saying that even translators fight over words. Okay. The translator of the NASB and other versions, although I didn't put them all up there, do not translate that word from, but they actually translate that same word as with. Makes a huge difference. Okay. Um, there's a big difference in getting a reward from someone and getting a reward with someone. There's a really big difference. That word that they're translating is the word para. It's a, it's a supposition. It's just a, it can be translated a million different ways. 
And in fact, the translators do translate it so many different ways throughout all of Scripture. If you go in the New Testament alone, that word para is there over 200 times. This, this is most of the time, 51 times it's translated as of, 42 times it's translated as with, 24 times it's translated as from, 15 times it's translated as like by the side, at and then. Like it's just translated different ways. So the writer, again, the translator of the NIV in Matthew, just to, I don't know why he picked from the Father, but he could have picked with the Father or he could have picked of the Father or by the... He could have, could have picked any words, but he picked from, but other translators picked with. I like with a whole lot better and I'm going to hopefully explain that. And I feel like it makes a whole lot more sense of the rewards and the behaviour that we're going to be talking about as we go on from here. When I was, um, when I was a girl, a little girl, my dad <clears throat> had a vegetable garden. You know your classic Australian out, like vegetable garden, flat block, Western Sydney, um, grew up in Emu Plains, used to be citrus groves, now is suburbia, and right across the back of our, of our backyard is a massive veggie garden. And my dad loves to grow things, always has. And so when he wasn't at work, especially through summer, he'd come home from work, and if you wanted to find dad in the evenings, he'd be out watering the garden. And as a girl... Um, I used to love spending time with my dad. And the best way of spending time with my dad was just to go be with him in the garden. So I would go out and just be with dad in the garden. And I would, my dad's not really a talkative kind of guy. Um, and I'd stand there and I'd ask him questions about gardening. Well, I don't know, because that's what dad was into. And I'd stand there as he'd water the garden and I'd just talk with him. And I don't know, didn't, don't remember learning very much, but... Um, it was, it was great. Now, as an adult, I love gardening. I love growing things. Um, I, I just love it. If we go away on holidays, the first thing I do when we get home is I just go and check the garden, don't I? I just want to see what it's done. I just love it. Um, I loved it because I love being with my dad. And when I'm gardening now as an adult... Um, I kind of feel like I'm with him. And also, to be honest, it's one of the times when I feel closest to God, just when I've got my feet on the ground in the earth and I'm gardening. When I married Luke, he wasn't into cycling. Um, but he got into cycling not long after I married him. Now, prior to that, I mean, I rode a bike. Every kid rides a bike. Um, I ride around the streets. My knowledge of bikes was you ride them with a stack hat on. Um, that's about it. And then Luke gets into cycling and all of a sudden this world of cycling opens up. Like apparently there's this massive annual race, the biggest sporting, annual sporting event in the world, Tour de France. Now if you asked me when I was 25 year, years old what the Tour de France was, Flip, I wouldn't have been able to tell you anything. I didn't even know it existed. It wasn't ever on my radar. The largest annual sporting event in the world. And I, and I, 
I, I'd, never, I'd never heard of it, ever. Like, it was just dead to me. It didn't exist. There was millions of people watching it for all the years of my life, and I never even knew it was real. And then Luke gets into cycling. And now I can tell you this. Nairo Quintana is 29 years old. He's in the prime of his career as a cyclist. And the Tour de France is coming up July 1st, 2nd. They've just finished the, the Italian Tour, the Giro, that has the Maglia Rossa. I can also tell you that Chris Froome was on a reconnaissance ride the other day and blew his nose and then accidentally ran into a wall and he broke his femur and he's out of the tour. I know stuff. I know, I know. And I feel like if Chris Froome can do that, there is hope for the rest of us. It gives, that actually makes my heart warm, although it makes lots of other people's hearts cold because Chris Froome's now out of the tour because he's broken his femur. But, you know, I just sort of think, wow. Anyway, I've seen things. You know, anyway. I, I, I know stuff about cycling. Um, I, know, I don't... I know stuff about cycling. Sometimes I even watch it. It's, pre, it's you know, that, it's not quite going too far, but, you know, I do watch it. Why? Because I want to be with Luke. And being kind of into the same thing as him is withness. And so we get to connect on another level over cycling. I never would have gotten into cycling if, if Luke hadn't... Be, I mean, who, who would? Like, Amanda, are you, are you in? No. Like, you know. And I, I don't know if I would be as interested in gardening if I hadn't wanted to just go and stand with my dad. There is something about withness that is its own reward. And I think this is what God is, or Jesus, is talking about when he starts to talk about rewards. That's why there's a really big difference between a reward from and a reward with. I don't get a reward from Luke for watching cycling. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> The reward is just being with him. That's the reward. It's withness. It's relationship. It's connecting over something meaningful and something similar. And you know what? We all do this. This is love. This is what love does. When we're connected and we love one another, we join in together, not for any reward other than the withness that comes with being connected over stuff. That's why I think it's really important, and if I was rewriting the NIV, which I'm never going to do, I would, make, I would translate para, not from, but with. Because as we go on to talk about when you give, when you pray, when you fast... I don't think the thrust of Jesus' message is, like, when you do these things, you're going to get good stuff from me. Like, I'm going to throw 
thing. I'm going to throw blessings your way. Look, you want to fast? Yeah, come on and fast. Fast all you want. And I'm just going to pour out blessings on you. Like you'll get a Ferrari and like, and, and your kids will never get sick and you'll marry the most handsome man in the world. Just fast. Like, if you want to pray, oh, pray. Pray and get the rewards. Pray for what you want and I'll give it to you. Pray and you'll get rewards from God. If you want to give, oh, the Pentecostals are really good at this message. Come on, we've all got hangovers from it. Oh, give. Give and you'll get rewards from God. Watch it coming, landing in your lap, pressed down, shaken out, running over. What do you know? Well, I can, we've all been there. Ah, oh, and it messes us up because it puts us in these cycles of earning and and it messes up our theology because what happens when you're a really good giver and a really good faster and a really good prayer but crap still happens? Then you have to tie yourself in knots to figure out why that's the case because you've been promised a gift from. And when the gift doesn't come from but it feels like there's a bit of crap coming your way, you have to do mental theological gymnastics to try and work that out. That's why I think words matter. But if the reward is with... There's a hell of a difference. What if we give and we fast and we pray? Because the reward is being with God when we do. Because those things are the things that God does. And so when we do them, we enter into his life and we get alongside him. And the reward is being with him in a way that's just simply amazing. And from goes out the window. Because once you've experienced withness, you don't really care about much else. Withness is enough. You know, it's Trinity Sunday. I love Trinity Sunday, but we didn't preach on this Trinity this year. But we're gonna, I'm going to do this again because I want you to get it. So, all right, Amanda, Linda and Les, come out here. I need you to be my trinity. If you've been around, you'll know, you'll know this. Oh, you don't know? Oh, all right. All right, Les, you can be the Holy Spirit. Just, oh, no, I'm just mixing it up. <laughs> Linda, you can be Jesus. And Amanda, you can be the Father. Can you hold hands? Uh, this is just like Christian weirdness. But anyway, we're going to roll with it. Please excuse the Christian weirdness. The, the, this is the life of the Trinity. Circular, endless togetherness. Unbroken. The perichoresis of God. Endless relationship. In this relationship, there is no hierarchy no one is more important than the other. And this relationship is characterised by eternal generosity. Endless giving. One to the other to the other. This relationship is characterised by endless eternal communication. The listening, the talking, the laughing... One of the saints said the sound of God is laughter. There is eternal communication going on in the Godhead. Listening, talking, laughing. Words of love, words of giving. 
And this relationship of God is eternally self-emptying. It's eternally kenosis. We've talked about kenosis before, the self-emptying of God. Jesus didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself, kenosis, to become one of us in order that our life may enter into this life. So where are we in this story? Come on, who remembers? In the middle, in the middle, in the middle. (laughs) This is where we live. This is where you live. Thank you. Sometimes it feels very cosy. Um, Because of Christ and we are in Christ and our life is hidden with Christ in God, this is where we live. This is where you sin. You sin, this is where you sin. If you do good things, this is where you do good things, in. You don't keep jumping in and out of this thing. If, you've, if you're in Christ, you're in Christ. It's not like a schizophrenic existence. You're just in, right? This is where healing and wholeness and redemption takes place. We're in. We don't, you know, we might not always feel close, but we always are in. That's the reality of our life in Christ. That's the gift of God, eternal life here. So when we go on and we read these passages about reward, this is the reward I'm with. When I'm generous, I'm just reflecting to the world the eternal generosity of God. And I get to participate in the divine life of God, which loves to be generous in hidden and secret ways. Because that is the thrust of God to the whole world, just eternal generosity in the hidden things. You take a microscope to any part of nature and you'll find the hidden generosity of God. Things you can't see with the naked eye, but if you look close enough, boom, generosity all over the place. When we pray, we pray here. And we enter into the eternal communication of God, the listening and the talking that is eternally happening in the divine life. And when we fast, we're just practicing a form of self-emptying instead of self-filling, which is simply a reflection of the divine life, which is constantly self-emptying. And the reward is the withness is the participation in the divine life. It's standing next to God, watering the garden. It's sitting next to your husband, watching a bike race. That's the reward, the relationship that you get to enter into, the withness that you feel when you participate in the divine life. That's what life in the Trinity is. That's the reward. That's why it matters to me that that word is not from the Father but with the Father because that's the invitation to us to participate in divine life. And we must keep that in mind once we start to talk more about rewards. Because to be honest, people, we're messed up. We like rewards. We like to think we get like special rewards from God. And we especially like people thinking good of us. And so when we go on, we're going to go on to talk about, you know, when you give. I mean, the scriptures are Go on to be pretty simple. When you give, don't give like the hypocrites 
who care heaps and heaps what other people think about them. It's like me living in the divine life, experiencing this awesome, constant generosity of God, but basically just being like, wanting everyone to know how awesome I am. Like being so concerned about what you think of me rather than just being here, which is the fulfillment of everything that I need. It's like when we pray, we imagine that if we just, if everyone can hear our fancy words, then they'll think we're really good. And Jesus essentially says, that's, if you want that kind of reward, you can have that kind of reward. But let me tell you, there's another kind of reward that is with. So go into your secret place and close the door and pray where no one can see you. You want to fast? You want people to think you're super spiritual? You can do that. You can look real sad and hungry. <laughs> and tell people all about your answered prayer from your fasting. And, you know, that's its own reward. People will think good of you. That's a reward. Great. But if you want a different kind of reward, the reward of witness, the participation in divine life, then don't look like you're fasting. Keep fast. It's not if you fast, it's when you fast. So fast. But know that when you're doing it, it's withness that's the reward, not any kind of arm bending you can do to the Father to get what you want. It really matters, I think, translations, words, what goes on. Thank you, Trinity Sunday people. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. If you do, you'll miss the withness. Are there things that we do as followers of Jesus? Yeah, there are. Jesus doesn't say if you give, if you pray, or if you fast. He, it's assumed disciple behavior it's Jesus assumes that we're going to be generous that we're going to pray and that we're going to fast it's assumed and then he goes on to talk about the motivation behind why we do each one of those and perhaps what we're wanting to get out of each one of those that's the wholeness that Jesus is diving down into what's our motivation for giving what's our motivation for praying what's our motivation for fasting and maybe there are rewards we get if we want to seek image consciousness, the applause of others. That's its own reward. But if you want the withness, there's another path to follow. The withness is its own reward. And if you're too focused on what other people think about you or projecting an image of righteousness or piety or pureness or knowing everything that you're talking about, you miss the withness. So we are going to talk in coming weeks about giving and praying and fasting. But I wanted to anchor us in the withness before we moved on because that's what Jesus is, in, is offering to us, withness in all that we do, inside God, in the divine life, just being with him, God loves being generous in secret places. So when we're generous in secret places, it's like watering the garden next to dad. God loves listening. 
and talking. And so when we pray and we listen and we share, it's like watching the Tour de France next to your husband. It's withness. God's eternal character is self-emptying. And so when we choose to empty ourselves and fast, we're just with God. And that's enough, the withness. Amen. I think we should probably pray or something. Um, Chris, do you want to um, just come up and... Maybe, maybe this is how we'll finish. Um, Chris, am I going to just play that last song, the, the home, heart, heart, home thing? Um, I think it's really, really important for us to know that because of Christ, we live in the divine life. Whether we're good or we're bad, whether our motivations are pure or impure, um, because of Christ, the Bible is full of the in him things. We are in him. Once, once we understand that that's where we're located, um, it really does free us up. And so I'm just going to ask Chris to play this song and I just want you to sit and listen to it. You've heard the song. And I just want you, if you've... I, I want you to ask God to give you a picture of what your in himness looks like if you kind of are not really a picture person and you struggle maybe you just like, would like to picture what I just pictured there God, God the Father it doesn't have to look like Linda and Amanda and Les you can make them look like whatever you want just the circle of God and place yourself in the circle you are not alone your heart is God's home. God lives in you. You live in God. It's the mystery of divine participation in the Trinitarian life that Jesus, becoming man, got for us. It's from that place that we live. It's from that place that we, that we breathe. In him we live and move and have our being. In him, in him, in him. In Him we live and move and have our being. In Him, in eternal generosity, we live and move and have our being. In Him, in eternal communication, we live and move and have our being. In Him, in eternal pouring out and self-emptying, in Him we live and move and have our being. This is the divine life. It's wonderful. And I just think it would be really great for us to just sit and let God give us a picture of what that might look like for us. So that as we go out from this place and as we then go on to talk about doing the right thing, we're doing it from the right place. And it doesn't become about a list of things we to do for God. But we let him fill us up with his divine character so that it just oozes out of who we are. Father God, 
Lord Jesus Christ. Gentle Holy Spirit. We thank you that it's in you that we live and move and have our being. God, for those of us that aren't really feeling much of the withness tonight, Spirit, would you just minister that to us? That we would know the witness of God. brokenness and our sinfulness and we hear your invitation deeper into wholeness and healing and so Jesus as we start to read your words as you confront our behaviors of goodness and righteousness we give you that same permission to sift us Lord Jesus, sift us and show us the places where our desire is the reward from others. Sift us and show us the ways we'd like to think we can manipulate you to get rewards from you. Holy Spirit, just minister to us the deep reward of witness. That we would be anchored in the divine life. And that we would know what it is to just be with God. And that that may be our reward. Amen. Go and be with the Lord as you are with Him. Thanks for listening. If you want to check out more about Central, visit us at centralchurch.org.au. Music by Chris D'Souza, a beloved member of Central. (laughs) 